0: Hello, and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting, and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to continue talking about the impacts of COVID-19, but we're going to focus specifically today on IS-12, which is income taxes, and to help me through that, I'm joined by Mr. Tax. He's not only known as Mr. Tax, but he was also the presenter of PwC IFRS Talk, so we're very lucky. Welcome back, Dave Walters.
1: Thank you very much for that introduction, Ruth. Uh, Mister Tax is not a title I've had before, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily be putting it on my business card. But uh, but thank you anyway. It's good to be back.
0: Oh, it's nice to have you. This is very exciting. Okay, so you have to help me through this. We're back in IS-12. So one of the first questions we always get in accounting is sort of a scope issue, i.e. are we even in IS-12? And the hard thing I think with this is the governments all over the world in response to COVID-19 are doing lots of different things. And one of those things could be, you know, offering tax holidays, it could be lowering a business rate, you know, so many different things. And You know, how do we even decide if all of them do fit in IS-12 or could they go somewhere else?
1: I mean, that's a a great question to start with. And typically what we would do is if you've got assistance from from the government, you might start with looking at IS-20 accounting for government grants. Um, and there, actually, in the scope of that standard, it's, it kind of helpfully sets out that it deals with the accounting for government assistance and government grants, but excludes from the scope of it assistance that's provided in the form of benefits that are available in determining taxable profits, such as you know, tax holidays and the like. So so we have kind of a specific scope out of IS 20 and it tells you to go and look at IS 12 So if we do have things like you know, a tax holiday, for example, or a, a temporary change in in, in rates, then that's likely to be in the scope of of IS-12.
0: So we can can look at IS-12 as our starting point. Okay, so once we've wheedled through the, probably one of the hardest questions is like, what scope are you in? And we know we're in IS-12, I was gonna say IS-20, we know we're in Uh, IS-12 taxes. How do you actually, you know, how do you account for a change in rate or a tax holiday? We apply the normal
1: principles of IS-12, which basically, stresses that to apply a change in rate you need to have had substantive enactment so substantive enactment is i guess a process we we well know and and in individual territories around the world you'll have a have a view as to what point the legislation has been substantively enacted so in 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 the uk as has it been through as it's kind of cleared sort of second readings in the house of commons but in in other territories there will be a legislatory process that goes through and you reach a point of substantive enactment in many cases what's happened is these reliefs have been given quickly and emergency legislation has gone through so so the gap between the announcement and the legislation being substantively enacted is is pretty small but you can usually find a point beyond which it's substantively enacted and you can account for it and if that point happens to have occurred just after your period end then you're into non-adjusting but disclosable post sheet events territory. So that's the, the the key the key point. If you've got substantively enacted, you can then apply the rate and you apply that rate to your taxable profits and indeed to your deferred tax calculations if, for example, the, the rate affects the recovery of deferred taxes in the future.
0: Perfect. So great segue there. IS-12, unfortunately, doesn't just cover current tax because that would be quite a nice standard. Unfortunately, it then chucks in a curveball. And we love the deferred tax. I think you're obviously getting all the questions on tax, but I would say one of the biggest things that people are looking at is, you know, your deferred tax assets. So, and you can correct me if I get this wrong, but it's all around, you know, is there probable or will there be probable taxable profits available against which that I'm reading this out from the standard or my notes because I would get it wrong otherwise, was (laughs) against um, which the deductible temporary differences and tax losses carry forward can be utilised. So, i.e. in summary, can you book, you know, your deferred tax asset? Will there be enough profits to recover it against? That's a, a key challenge, actually, in applying this standard. And it's been an area of
1: focus for regulators around the world over many years. In what is the evidence that companies have to support recognition of deferred tax assets or losses? So even prior to, to, to COVID-19, this has been an area of focus. Clearly, to the extent that COVID-19 has had an impact on the company or the industry such that they're currently making losses where they weren't forecast to make losses and they've revised their projections going forward, then that needs to be fed into the company's modelling on whether it's right to recover deferred tax assets. And it might be, and we are certainly seeing quite a lot of questions from companies around they've previously recognised deferred tax assets on losses and now think that they might need to de-recognise them, kind of adding to the pain, if you like, adding to the losses that have been triggered by the events of the last few months and there's a big judgment here so so in assessing the profit projections against which losses can be utilized clearly you'd be looking at you know the impact of the crisis now the likely impact on future projections so what are industry forecasts saying are there signs of recovery already and we are we are hearing in a number of sectors that the total lockdown is finishing, and there are some signs, green shoots of recovery. But there's a long way to go, and it really is having a good rounded look at those forecasts and thinking through all the implications. So it's it's not just the company and how it might trade, but you know, to the extent that it's exposed to it, its customers and and their financial condition. You know, are there knock on impacts? So so there's a big. Big judgment here. And one of the areas the the regulators have said time and time again is where you've got critical judgments like this, then disclosures are going to be helpful. And there's a need to make sure that that judgment is updated. There's there's no doubt that in in the current crisis, companies need to be looking at this, not only for deferred tax assets that they've currently got, but in the context also of whether they should book a deferred tax asset for the losses that have arisen in the current period.
0: Perfect. Obviously, you mentioned that the big judgment is really looking at future projections and we've actually talked about this in quite a few of the COVID-19 podcasts because we see it in fair value, we see it in impairment, we see it in ECL, like there's lots of places we use projections. Is there anything we need to be careful of when we're looking at the IS-12 projections?
1: Well, I think you need to be careful of not looking at these in isolation. So companies are preparing projections, in many cases, a number of projections. So the increased uncertainty that has accompanied the impact of this of this virus has in many parts of the financial statements led companies to prepare a number of projections. So, so for going concern, you've got your severe but plausible downside case. You've got a revised base case. You, you might have other cases in between. And you're using those projections for, for going concern. And you may well be using the weighted average projections for impairment. And I guess the principle to apply here is you should be consistent. So you should use projections that are consistent with those that you're using to assess your impairments, for example, to ensure that the underlying basis is similar. And we've not got an unusually harsh view for deferred tax assets or indeed have an unusually prudent view for recognising deferred tax assets. The key is
0: consistency. And again, this is an area that regulators have shown an interest in in the past. Brilliant, thank you, really helpful. And I suppose when I asked that question, we originally, we st- focused on deferred tax assets, but IS-12 is all deferred tax. So yeah. is there any other things people need to think about in other aspects of deferred tax?
1: Well, to the, to the extent you've got deferred tax liabilities that are going to be available and be reversing, then you can and you de- indeed you should recognise a deferred tax asset if you've got losses that will reverse in the future alongside those liabilities. So there's, you don't just look at the assets, deferred tax asset in in isolation. If you have DTLs, deferred tax liabilities, you should recognise deferred tax assets to the extent you've got those DTLs available and then look on top of that for whether you should recognise deferred tax assets. So that's one, one key thing that people ought to think about.
0: Perfect. And then, depending on when this gets released, Dave, not to give away our timing, <laughs> our timing, but interims, you know, coming up, is there anything specific people should think about in the context of interims and tax?
1: Well, yes, and this is so so is thirty four requires companies to assess what is their expected income tax rate to be applied to the full year profits and then apply that expected rate at the half year so so effectively what that requires is an assessment as to the the level of forecast profits and the tax rates in in the different territories that might be in a multinational group, for example. So, so that's actually quite a complicated process. Companies, as they need to assess the work out what they think their full year number will be, which essentially is dependent on the geographical split of profits or split of profits by a tax authority, the rates that apply to those geographical splits, thinking through, for example, you know, are there issues in a particular territory that mean the effective tax rate there would be higher? So, so are you knocking up against a, an issue about being able to recognise deferred tax assets or not? So there's, there's quite a challenge there. And then apply that to the half year. The impact of, of, the virus has made that job, which was already difficult, even harder because there's a substantially increased uncertainty as to where profits will be. So this is something that companies need to think about pretty early in the half-year process rather than leaving it too late. It may be that actually the starting point is, well, what's my split of profits to date? I mean, what is my effective tax rate based on my geographical split at this point in time? And think through, are there significant things that might change in the next six months, is there a territory that's looking like having a much slower recovery than, than others and toning down or adjusting the rate to take account of that lower contribution from that territory? And it may well also be that actually in this particular instance, there's more uncertainty than usual in the rate. There's potentially a wider range that that rate could fall within. And then you need to think about appropriate disclosures to alert the reader to that increased level of uncertainty or the the potential range that that might apply in the full year when all the calculations are finally done. Oh that sounds complicated
0: Yeah, yeah, And, and a big exercise for everyone to do. And you mentioned there at the end disclosures and specifically about the rate but is there anything else people should just be careful of or watch out for in terms of disclosures? Well one
1: of the key ones I think for companies in respect of taxes is disclosures of uncertainties so so there has been a big focus in the last few years on disclosures around uncertain tax positions that is those issues have are unlikely to have got less relevant during this crisis there may be more uncertainties around as a result of lack of clarity and whether particular deduction that's being offered under an emergency scheme might actually be applicable to an entity. The lack of transparency around some of the issues or the lack of progress on dealing with some issues because people have been focused on just keeping the business going. So don't forget the disclosures around uncertain tax positions. I think if you've got an interim report, consider whether there's additional disclosures that need to be given, uncertainties around the rates. And when we've been talking about Deferred tax, deferred tax assets on losses, it may be that you've moved to a position where a reasonably possible change in your assumptions will have a material difference on what the asset that you can recognise, and it might have a material impact in the next 12 months, in which case you're into critical estimates disclosures to draw the reader's attention to the fact that that number's more uncertain than it was. So there's a range of potential disclosures for both interims and final, final annual reports that should be considered as part of the whole wonderful subject of tax.
0: Brilliant. So much to think about in world of tax and as in all the COVID podcasts, I feel like a broken record we must (laughs) disclose. (laughs) Thank you so much Dave for coming back. I'm sure we can think of plenty more to talk about. We miss you in the (laughs) not not studio. you in your home (laughs) but thank you very much and everyone thanks for listening there's lots of frequently asked questions you can find on pwc inform and pwc.com around all the issues for covid plus we've got our in-depth and industry spotlights so please do check out our website as well thank you very much for listening stay safe and happy accounting the preceding program was brought to you by price waterhouse coopers llp This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisers.